at some point we have to have a level of mental resolve that says, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling, I need to do this thing. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we're all going to struggle. And how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How's it going? My name is Pete Driscoll, coming to you from my basement in Heartland, Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host, Todd Ellis, rocking a big bushy beard, coming to you from Tacoma, Washington. What is up, Todd? What's happening, Peter? I feel like it's been a long time since we spoke, but I don't think it really has. But what's up? Yeah, any, any, any amount of time is too long. Uh, that's uh, I, I have some new developments happening in my life. About two weeks ago, I went into school feeling totally normal. And partway through my, my first block of the day, about half an hour into the school day, I just started feeling really, really lightheaded and dizzy. So I sent a message to my principal and said, I, something's off. I'm not really quite sure. So they sent a sub down and I went home and just laid in bed. And I laid in bed for 24 straight hours. And then I ended up taking the next two days off. It's, I, I couldn't tell you in 17 years how many times I've taken three days off in a row, next to none. And I just felt like super fatigued and super dizzy. And I didn't really know what it was. And then shortly after that, my daughter got sick, was diagnosed with strep. So then I had a sore throat and a, a headache and all these things. And I thought for sure I had strep. So I went in, the strep test came back negative. But for two straight weeks now, I've been incredibly lightheaded and dizzy. It's really... Mm-hmm really odd. Um, the listeners wouldn't know this, but I canceled our re- regular recording session on Monday because I just didn't have it in me. Uh, my world is spinning. It's almost like uh, I'm, I'm standing on a boat all the time. Everything's just kind of moving. So I went to the doctor the other day and they ran me through two hours worth of neurological tests and uh, took my blood work and stuff. And the doctor found some bodily fluid way back in my ear canal. And he thinks that I have some form of vertigo. Yeah. I've never experienced vertigo before in my life. And um, re- w- what was the hard thing was what is vertigo for the listeners that don't know what vertigo is. So I actually had not even pulled up the uh, official, uh, in my the, mind, it's like a constant state of dizziness. Is that? Yeah. That it's is? like, like okay. the room around you is spinning and your world oh, okay. is kind of spinning or the, the best way I can put it. I, my world doesn't spin. It's just almost like I'm on a, like on a boat on the high seas. Oh, okay. like it's never, everything's never, it's never really steady. Where? And because of that, uh, my stomach was off. Cause you know, when you're dizzy, like your yeah. stomach just is off. So your body thinks that you're, you're moving or you're on the high seas. And so, I, so I really wasn't eating or drinking. And because of that, I was just crazy fatigued and, <sighs> was really dehydrated and didn't do a workout for two straight weeks and just didn't know what was wrong. Yikes. I went to the doctor and he said, he said, I think with the type of vertigo that you might have, working out is not going to make it worse. So for the last three days, I've just been <laughs> doing my workout so dizzy. I'm like pulling hard on the rower and it feels like I'm actually rowing on like on the ocean with big waves. And uh, the end <laughs> of my school day today, it was at a height. I was just so dizzy. It was really, really uh, uncomfortable. And I came home and just crushed the workout and ever since then i've felt great so like the the positive vibes you hear in my voice for the last two hours i've just felt so good really and nice. my world is not shaking so i don't know if this is another anecdote of why we should be doing workouts but at least in my world um i didn't expect to be feeling this good after a workout but i like i'm seeing straight right now and and things are good so i'll take it on an unrelated note 
Do you have uh, crazy lights down there? Is there like a moth down there? Maybe. Oh, uh, maybe could be. Yeah. Oh wow, that was against that black. I was like, what? It looked like uh, <laughs> it looked like comets and shooting stars. I was like, what in the hell he's talking about? Did all this makes sense? And the universe yeah. starts raining stars down. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah there must be a moth flying around my head. Or yeah, something. that was You're really bizarre. Busy. I didn't uh, know a mosque could live in weather this cold. I, yeah. Temperatures this cold. My basement's cold. What's so anyway, yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah. I've never dealt with any kind of vertical uh, ver- huh. vertigo. One of my best friends suffers, suffers from it severely, and my wife Jen suffers from it uh, intermittently. It'll come on really hard for a couple of days, and then it'll kind of dissipate. Wow. But um, yeah, if that's what it is, I'm okay with it. I was worried it was something with my heart and my blood pressure. Well, yeah, and like my lungs. So that's why I didn't work out. But once the doctor said I don't think it's related to any of that, uh, huh. you're good to go. So Interesting. here I am. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a side question. Not, uh, <laughs> when you, if you get sick like that or, or like feel off, do you find your, do you, um, do you explore that? Do you like bump up against it? Like you said, I didn't want to work out because I didn't know if it was going to get worse or, or, you know, or it, would, it would make me more dizzy. Like, do you often like, oh, I'm just going to see if it makes me more dizzy or do you just leave it? Uh, up until the doctor said I could, I could test it a little bit. I didn't, I, all that felt good was to lay down. So unlike a lot of the vertigo of people that I know, when I laid down, everything calmed down. Where's my oh. wife when, when, you, when her vertigo hits, if she lays down, that's like the worst thing. Huh. So, uh, Very yeah, I, I, yeah. I watched some good documentaries on Netflix and just kind of chilled out and laid down. But now I'm back in action and I'm eating force, force feeding and force drinking good for <laughs> water. You. Um, and I'm feeling better. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Wow, yeah. what a scare! Yeah, get that straightened out. Here we are. What do they, yeah. what do, they do next? If like you, so do you feel like the workout just uh, fix it, or are you just waiting for it happening? Just to come I don't back? know if it's. I don't think it's psychological because I really felt better after, but it, it very well could be. Huh. Uh, the blood work hasn't come back yet, so we're just waiting to see if there's oh, anything else that's going on inside my body. That interesting. Um, yeah. So wow. Well, good, good luck with that. Yeah. Keep, <laughs> Thanks. Keep I need us it. posted. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah that's dizzy. Um, <laughs> so as you know, at the end of every school semester, my high school that I teach at works almost like a college where it's the first semester. And then when that ends, it's like the first day of school all over again, okay. new classes, new teachers, new rosters, and we run it back for the second half of the year. And at the end of every semester, I always do an activity with my students. I don't know if you want to call it an activity, uh, just called ask me anything. So ask Mr. D anything and students can ask any question they want. Nothing's off the table. And I read the answers uh, to the full class. They don't know who asked what questions. And I've never had a student ask an inappropriate question, but if a student did ask an inappropriate question, I would just talk to that student one-on-one and I wouldn't answer to the whole Nice. Yeah. And I get a whole bevy. So last semester I had three classes that I taught and each had uh, 20 kids. So I had 60 questions uh, that I was answering over the last couple of days this semester. You answer them all or you just randomly choose? I I answer them all. Yeah. Nice. I answer them all. And it's just a really, really wide range. Some are just like light on the surface questions and some are like crazy deep. Like we could honestly have a podcast to answer this one question for four straight hours. So what I want to do tonight in 35 minutes is we're going to go through as many questions as takes up our 35 minute time frame. And we're going to start off with kind of more of the not so deep questions and then transition to some of the deeper ones. Go. Uh, for the listeners out there, Todd has no clue what these questions are. <laughs> so he's going to be answering them in real time, which Double I hard. love to spring on him. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to get into Ask Me Anything. I think we'll probably do this twice a year because I do this twice a year in school. Cool. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah, always. So this is how it works. I'll read the question. You can answer it if you want, or you can pass it off to me, and I'll answer it, and then you can answer it after me. Okay. We don't have any kind of time frame on this, um, so however long we need on each question is all good. Okay. Then right, I have question to, number I have one. I have to operate timer that way, so that's handy. Here we go. go. 
How do you like your steak cooked? There's two different answers for me. Go ahead. I want depends on <laughs> now I'm really interested. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the type of steak. So um there's a steak place that, at my house um that me and my wife started going to on our anniversary. And that just reminds me that I need to make a reservation. And the steak there is of a different type. I think it's from Australia or uh, I don't know. I I want to say it's Wagyu beef, but I don't think that's what it's called. Um but anyways, it's like a different type of steak than I would get at my house. And I like that steak cooked, um, medium rare, but most steaks I go for, um, medium well. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter what kind of steak it is. If I'm ever out, I don't ever go out to eat, but if I were out to eat, um, when I order a steak, I just say, uh, cook it as rare as you're allowed to cook it. For me, once that animal takes its last breath and its last heartbeat, Walk it through a warm room and I'm good to go. I love really black and blue. Yeah. Like you would, would you, would you eat it with your hand? (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, like, would you just, like, if you just happened to upon a steak and you were like, you would just eat it without even cooking it or you actually want it warmed a bit? Well, I'd want the outside cooked just to get rid of the, uh, you know, any bacteria or anything. <laughs> any hair that's left on. Yeah. Any hair that's left uh-huh. on. Yeah. And then yeah, that's good. Huh. Yeah, I'm good to go. I love, wow. love, yeah. It's, Very it's, interesting. As rare as possible. <laughs> okay. All right. Second question. I love this one. So it's so random. It's so great. What do you think is the farthest or the longest you ever walked on your hands? <laughs> Not very far. <laughs> I'm not very good at handstand walk, so I would say maybe 20 feet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I had a handstand walking contest with a former student. His name was Jacob. And once a month, we would go head to head, and whoever could walk further uh, claimed that month. And at the end of the school year, whoever had the most months won the handstand walking contest. Okay. And uh, my the furthest I ever did was I went the entire length of the basketball court, turned around, and went halfway back across wow. the basketball court. Nice work. So uh, one and a half basketball courts is my answer. Huh, nice. What did Jacob get on that? On that one, he didn't get as far as me, but oh. he was better at walking on his hands on grass than I was, yeah. and I was better on like a like a clean floor or hallway than he was. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he was. He, he dealt with the elements better than I did. That was cool. All right, next number, question. Number three. How clean is your car? Sufficiently clean. <laughs> is that a, is that a good answer? It's cleaner uh, than my wife's car. How about that? <laughs> that's a great answer. That's a great answer. <laughs> all right. Uh, in Vermont, just with the dirt, I live on a dirt road and with all the salt um, up here, I, I really have zero concern for how clean the outside of my car is. But as oh. I'm getting older, I'm getting a little more neurotic about things being clean or organized. I, you know, I like to say uh, cluttered space, cluttered brain, organized space, organized brain. And so um, the spaces that I spend time, I try to keep them organized and it's, it's getting worse as I get older. But hmm. I would say the inside of my, my truck is eight out of 10 clean. Same. Yeah. But the outside, you don't care. In the oh. mud season, it's one out of 10 clean. Yeah. It's always raining here. So I don't care about the outside just to be clear. Yeah. But all right. What Number age four. did you start working out? Like for real with, with an intent and impact? Sure. Um, probably, uh, what am I now? 46, maybe 10 years ago, 36. Okay. Yep. Uh, mine Ish. was my freshman year in college. So I was 18. There you go. Uh, I never stepped foot in a gym prior to that. And I walked in there with my buddies because that's what my buddies were doing that night. And I just followed them because I didn't want to sit in my room by myself. And I just mm-hmm. stood in the corner of the gym and just watched all these giant football players lifting mass amounts of weight. And I was uh, 120 pounds soaking wet at the time. Uh, could not bench press a 45 pound bar. Nice. Um, and yeah, so I was 18 and then I, I got hooked pretty quickly and it started to empower me. 
And then I got really serious about it after I graduated college. And I became a lifeguard down in Disney World, and it was oh, just all about beach. aesthetics. I wanted, yeah, Blizzard yeah. Beach. I, I cared about how I looked, so uh, it was all about the aesthetics there. And um, that was kind of the next level for me with yeah. working out. Was uh, when you lifeguard all day, and then we'd go to the gym and like work out for two hours, and then go home and eat. It, well, yeah, right. <laughs> Chiseled Beach, maybe that's what she called. Um, <laughs> I wonder when you were telling that story about the first time you went there. Do you recall the like the first time you were with the um, with that group of individuals when you when you're 18 that you were like that you felt the um, the tingle of I just lifted that up you know what I mean like re- did you like come out of the corner slow and then one day they were like come on Pete get on the bench or was it just like you slowly started dabbling and then at one point you were like this spilled it I'm I'm done I, I was just expecting everyone to make fun of me because of how weak I was like it, wow. I was embarrassingly weak yeah and they weren't they were very supportive they're like yo this is how you do the movement and this is what you do and that's cool um, every time you know you you want to add weight and you've accomplished what you need to accomplish and you're moving on like do it and all I wanted to do was be able to put a 25 on each side of that 45 pound bar and bench 95 once like nice. oh man if i could ever get to 95 that would be so amazing and <laughs> two weeks group, later <laughs> group, no no putting on muscle things for me takes forever uh, oh, takes really? so long even now still mm. yeah but uh, my greedy goal is to one day bench two cookies which is uh or, or two large pizzas which is 135 the 45 nice. pounder on each side and mm. yep that finally got to that like way later in life but yeah good job um, yeah so i was 18 okay i was older substantially so double that age actually <laughs> uh what is your favorite movie of all time uh my favorite movie of all time is probably pulp fiction ah Quentin yeah. tarantino flick I have a tie on um, Shawshank Redemption and Goodwill Hunting. Mm, yeah. And then my comedy is Dumb and Dumber. I've so watched Dumb and Dumber. different classifications of movies. You times. just said your favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like Die Hard. That's a pretty good movie. Yes. Yeah. The, the big debate, and we won't get into it now. Is, no, don't is, do it. Is Stop. Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, how do you stay consistent? When times get challenging for you. And I actually don't know exactly what the student was asking. If they were asking about my like my mindset mm. or they were asking about my workout regimen or how I eat or how I sleep. Um, I think based on what I know about my students and what their curiosity is about how I operate, that the question was more about my mindset. How does my mindset stay consistent each day? That's an interesting question. I don't. That's that's my question. That's my answer. Like I, I find... Um, I look at all of those aspects that you just mentioned kind of objectively, and I feel like sometimes I do really well in one, which helps me in others, but it's kind of like strengths and weaknesses, you know? Like, what are the attributes you have and how do you use those to modify the other attributes around it? Because, like, I'll fall off my diet, I'll start drinking too much, and then we have the conversation before, and then I'll just come all the way back around, hit the switch, and do as best I can, and then kind of rebalance it, if you will, but I wouldn't say I ever do really well. Yeah, not to a point where I could say, that's how I do it. I don't know. I like in, intentionality and habit definitely play into that. Like the more you do it, the more you're like, oh, I miss doing that. Or I see I get a benefit out of that. Like yoga or meditating. Those are those things for me that no matter what, that's the first thing I come back to. So I guess that's mm-hmm. my answer is, yeah. How about yeah, you? This is, I mean, this is one that I we could have a full podcast yeah. on. Um, for me, I find a high level of comfort in people who are very consistent. So I actually don't, it doesn't bother me if somebody is rude or mean all the time. <laughs> I probably drive you crazy. <laughs> Sorry. 
uh, the way that you're uh-huh. inconsistent is different from what what, what oh. makes me uncomfortable. What Shit. makes me uncomfortable is people who are very high one day and very low another mm. day, and I never know what I'm going to get. Mm. Um, so if someone is um, in a bad mood or rude or mean every time I interact with them, like I, I find comfort there. I'm fine. And it's people who are always kind and respectful oh. and and warm. I'm very comfortable there. But it's uh, you know if people are warm one day and not warm another day, um, that's where I'm not quite sure where I where we stand, and I tread lightly. Um, so one of my goals is to be consistent. And um, I because it drives the, you so crazy, just just because I it's something that um, that I aspire to be like be. Because I think because it makes me comfortable, yeah. I have this mindset that it probably makes other people comfortable too, and that's that's what I want to provide for them in our connection or in our relationship. So, um, especially with my students, I try to be consistent. So, uh, if there's stuff going on in my life, I'm able to leave that at the door and and present similar each day. And I, in, in my mind, that's not being um, disingenuine. I just think that managing. You know, like the old saying, peace doesn't mean we don't have problems. Peace means that our problems don't have us. And I'm I'm striving to try to be more consistent and not letting the things that are going on in, in my life uh, hinder or impact the way I present in, in my relationships. Hmm. And I think what helps me be consistent is gratitude. So when things are going very well for me, it's easy for me to think of the things that I'm grateful for. And when things are not going great, I, I've formulated or forged a habit of taking a moment or moments to dig into my gratitude to help flip my mindset. And I find that to be incredibly, incredibly helpful. Well, how do you, I have so many questions, if you don't mind. How do you um, do that? I flip through my gratitude. Like, does, so, do you have like a book? And <laughs> you're just like, oh this, yeah. This I'm I'm reluctant to share this because it almost sounds fake, but it's something that I find that really works is when I am legitimately pissed off, when I'm really angry, it's that 29,000 foot view of I can think to myself outside of the context of what's pissing me off right now and say, oh, last night listening to my daughter practice her piano was just so beautiful. And and that is awesome. Hmm. The fact that I am am healthy is so amazing. And, and I can go to those places even in times, even in the moments now where I'm really upset yeah. and I, I've been working really hard and I, I, I really do believe that I've trained myself to do that. I believe so it's, it. It's so, yeah. it's so unrelated, but I'll be like, yep, like we had an awesome vacation last summer. Like I, I can, I can do that in the moment where I'm really angry because somebody just cut me off yeah. and almost, and, and almost, you know, sent me off the highway. Yeah. So you just um, create the space and then fill it, right? Like I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah, cognitive. I think. It's CBT is what, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Like there's a hook and you go, nope, <laughs> they're not nice over there. It's like you go to your happy place, like Happy Gilmore, right? Kind of yeah. same idea. Yep. Yeah. If you know how you made that, you should write that down and sell <laughs> that to people. It's a whole different conversation, but um, you know, there's people out there who, in my opinion, are optimists and people who are pessimists, and the optimists only see through the rosy colored glasses and don't acknowledge the challenges or the, you know, the, the obstacles in life. And then the pessimist only acknowledges the, the challenges and the obstacles. Whereas the realist is what I'm trying to be is to say, yep, those are challenges. Those are obstacles. And this is how I'm going to be proactive to <laughs> navigate them. Awesome. And I'm trying to be a realist. And what I'm learning is the people around me see me as an optimist. And that means that um, I have work to do. 
a lot of people, and particularly my students, say, oh, you're just so positive. It's nice to be around you because you're so positive. But I'd rather someone look at me and say, you know what? You're real. Like you understand that there's challenges. You acknowledge them. And then you help me or I can see you navigating those challenges with a proactive approach. Really? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. But from the things that you share with me, like you share with me things um, that like some of the some of the feedback you get from your students once in a while. And it's so steeped in, in seemingly that's how I how I observe it is it's so steeped in the understanding that they know that you're genuine and honest to the point where they take an action to like validate that. I don't know if you see that or not, because that's like, I feel like a lot of the things are like, oh yeah, Peter's a good guy because Peter does what he says he's going to do. And like, he did a lot of work to do that. So yeah, don't discount yourself on that because I see it all over the place. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what Todd's referring to is that every now and again, if I get a message from a student, um, sometimes I, I, I call the wins. That's yeah. that's my fuel in life. And sometimes I'll share them with people. And if they're related to what Todd and I have been talking about, sometimes I'll share them with Todd. And uh, this week... I had a student who you who I would not guess would sit down and write a poem. Yeah, uh, wrote a poem to and about me, and it brought me to tears. That's pretty he bad. Shared, he shared it with me at the end of his semester um, from his class, and um, I shared that with Todd. That's one of the things he's referring to. So, yeah, thank you. I didn't, didn't mean to spill the beans, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Peter tells me everything about all these kids. <laughs> the craziest thing. Uh, um, oh, when oh, I was gonna. Go ahead. I was going to go one I was more point. Say, okay. Yep. I was going to say when it comes to staying consistent with other things, it's a different answer, but um, we can dive into that uh, yeah. with a different question at a different time. The, when, you were, when you first started talking about um, about why you strive to be consistent or, or maybe the delta or the, the conflict between why you feel uncomfortable with other, with other people when they do that or you perceive they do that to you as opposed to what you inspire or hope to do with other people, I thought to myself immediately – when people are, when I see people who are too consistent, it's almost as if I have to meet their expectation in order to communicate with them. And I wonder, like, have you ever thought about that? Have, has somebody ever said to you, "I just can't, I just can't meet. Like, this is too much. Like, your consistency is too much." Uh, I worry about that. Um, part of the reason that I worry about being viewed as an optimist or a very positive person is because I think sometimes you might. You might be a, you might be a fountain for people, and you might be picking people up. But at the same time, they might see you as a little unrelatable, and they won't go to you or share to you uh, share with you their challenges in their life because they don't want to bring you down. And oh. I want to be a person that people say I can go to him and share with him what's, what I'm challenged with in my life, and I'm not worried about ruining his optimism yeah. because he's unflappable or yeah. because he is um, a realist. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, it's a good delineation there. Yeah, thank you for that. That clears that red. All right. What are we on, number five? I don't even know. We don't, we don't have to worry about numbers. Oh, okay. We'll just do as many as we can until right. the, uh, the time runs out. Let's roll. What is the most impactful relationship you've ever had and why? Does duration matter? Nope. I would say the relationship I have with my dad's parents. So it's two people, but specifically my dad's dad. Like he taught me a lot of the things that I feel like um, have translated or I don't know, translated, like paved the way as an example for the way that I am now most often. So when I look back at myself, I think I learned that from that guy over there. That's that pretty impactful. How about you? 
unlike you, I had 24 hours to think about this <laughs> before answering it. And I used all 24 of those hours to think about it. And I think the true and honest answer is the relationship with myself. Ooh. Um, during my middle school and high school years, I loathed things about myself. I had a very unhealthy, unhealthy relationship with myself. Um, my self-perception, the lack of confidence, mm-hmm. the lack of self-belief, all these things about myself, I just didn't. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And now I, I, I'm closer than I've ever been. And it's an amazing feeling. I bet. And I think many episodes ago, we were talking about self-love. And you asked me if I love myself. And I said, I do. And, um, and, that's, and that's true. And to go from loathing myself to loving myself, it's been a long process. Yeah. But the relationship I have with myself is the most impactful I've ever had. And now that it has a place where um, I'm really psyched about it, it opens up so much for me to be available to other people and to help them. So that's my answer is my relationship with myself. It's good. Solid. Sounds like a journey, a journey worth embarking upon. Congratulations. If you could relive one moment of your life for the rest of your life, anytime you wanted, what moment would you pick? I, you, I, I don't know. Um, you go. <laughs> It was the summer of 2008. I was riding my bike across the United States of America. I was in the middle of the country in Podunk, Scott City, Kansas. It was my 30th birthday, and I walked out of the grocery store, and my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, was standing there, unbeknownst to me, surprised me in a way that I've never been surprised, and said, happy birthday. And she'd been in contact with my buddy. We were like 600 miles further down the route than she expected. So she had set up a plan to fly into Colorado because that's where we were supposed to be around my birthday. Rented a car and drove east to catch up with us. And we hung out for 24 hours. It took a zero the next day. So no miles. And we went to Dairy Queen. We went to a Mexican restaurant and we went to the local park. And it was an amazing moment in my life that I'll never forget. And if I could pick one to relive, that would probably be the one. Right. Would you get a Dairy Queen? So I'm the type of guy that once I get something I like, I stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. And then what was it? No. I don't know of anyone in the world that gets this other than me. I go Dairy Queen, medium blizzard, the vanilla ice cream with M&Ms and sprinkles, rainbow sprinkles. Wow. Sugar on sugar on sugar. Well, I mean, if you're going to go with the sugar, you might as well go triple. <laughs> the headache special. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to think about it and give you on the on another episode, but bring it back up. Cause that's like, yeah, I mean, you, obviously you've had 24 hours to think about it, but yeah. Yeah. That's a tough, a lot one. of thinking though. Yeah. So this is another same type of question. The scariest thing you've ever done. I think we, I, I already had this question once. Remember I told you about that, that guy's house that I went into and I was supposed to meet yes. him there and somebody stole his cell phone. That was, that was it. I don't remember what yeah. episode that was, but that was, he was packing heat. Yeah. Yeah, and this guy's like, "What are you doing in my house?" And I'm like, "Uh oh, I'm coming out of his house, and he's coming into his house, and he's asking me, why are you here?'" Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's been, I think, uh, a couple times in my life where I was, I was quite certain there was a, a legitimate chance that I could die. Mm. One of them was I tried to take a shortcut on a hiking path in the, the yeah. Swiss Alps. Um, another one was a, 
camping episode with my high school buddies. And I won't get into the details of that one. Um, and stop me if I've shared this, Todd, but the scariest moment of my life was when I put my inebriated buddy in a rowboat, pushed him yeah. in the middle of a pond. That's the one I thought you were talking about. Yeah. 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 I think last so, time you said that one or or the one where you and uh, you and Jen got in an accident. Jen and I went upside down in yeah. a car. Um, that was, yep, that was one of the three. Yeah. And then another time we were in a, I'm, I, I kid you not, this is not an exaggeration. We were in a regular size minivan with 16 people in Vietnam. It was a, it was <laughs> packed. It was a six hour ride and they just oh, kept picking no. up people after people after people. Were they all people. inside or some sit on the roof of the hood? No, nope, they were all inside. Wow. It was, um, so picture a regular minivan. There was yeah. someone sitting in between the driver and the door. And then there was three other people going across the front. And then in the back seat, uh, and Jen and I were two of those three people in the very front seat because we were the biggest. And then picture someone standing on the floor behind each of the seats, leaned over like the front people's seats, and then people sitting in the seats behind them. Wow. And then a whole bunch of people. Because like a regular minivan's like what, seven, seven to nine? I would think like yeah. nine at the top end, right? Yeah. And there was like yeah. infants in there. And this, this <laughs> minivan was decked out with uh, beads and all sorts of like oh, man. disco. And then the guy was pumping uh, like rave music and he was downing one Red Bull after another and smoking oh. one sugar after another. Oh, man. And the music was blasting. And we were, it was, a, it was midnight and he was falling asleep at the wheel. And, um, I'd why did on, you get I'd, I'd on, hit him on the leg? I'd hit him on the leg and be like, we were going to a town called Balak. And I was like, I hit him on the leg and be like, Balak, Balak. And he'd be, he'd look at me and like get angry. And then he'd like slam on the gas and he'd like fly up. Through these, <laughs> and every kilometer was marked with a, a, a granite marking on the side of the road. And I just remember counting down. Like, oh my God, we're 60 away. Like mm. can we just get there. And Jen was sitting there with her eyes closed, praying to God the entire time. Wow. She, she was convinced. And I said to Jen, I was like, so our choices are we can ask him to let us out here, truly in the middle of nowhere in the black. Like there wasn't yeah, right. like street lights or anything. Um, and, or we can take it. Yeah. Or we can roll the dice and try to get to where we need to get to. And, uh, and, and he, where he dropped us off, it was just this little tiny town that had one little hotel. And that's where we ended up staying. But we ended up making it. But um, it's really scary to be in a car with someone who is actively falling asleep as they're yeah. driving. Yeah. I experienced a similar situation. I remember um, one time, I might have told this story too, I don't know. One time, me and my son were headed to Canada in um, a car my grandpa gave me. It's an old car. It's an 83. And I was driving it there and it broke down at um, at the Peace Arch. So the Peace Arch is the, the main entrance from Washington State to um, British Columbia, Canada, on uh, above Seattle. And it broke down there and I had to get a tow truck. And because I was in limo at the border, it had to be a Washington side tow truck. So I called AAA, it's this tow truck company anyways. And I got in the car with this guy and he's like, oh, I'm going to take you to the next town because this town's not good. And I'm, I just got like this crazy feeling. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. Like <laughs> that was the same situation. Like maybe just take my car off here and it, and I wrote it out and it worked, but I definitely had some, so there were some red flags going off, but yeah, that was weird. But, um, Dude, 16 people in that minivan and, yeah. and a scooter, like a motorized scooter in the back. Oh, we, th we pulled over and picked up like two people that were riding a scooter and we're like, Oh, that's what are we going to do now? Just and he's put like, the scooter with the two people and the scooter inside wow. the minivan. Yeah. It was crazy. Ooh. Vietnam was a different, different world. I suppose. Huh. Crazy. Yeah. 
Different. All right, next question. Yeah. How do you find a way to motivate yourself when you are the least motivated? Uh, I've been working on this one a lot recently. Procrastination is a problem that comes with attention deficit disorder, like bad. I've been t- I told you before about my taxes. Like <laughs> They might happen a year later, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what I've found, and I've known this for a long time, um, the, what I learned the first time, and it really worked a lot, but I, I lost the habit was the five-second rule. And I, sometimes it pops up. So if you know you need to do something, you got five seconds, count down, and start moving at one. No questions asked. I use that a lot, actually, when I'm uh, working out or I'm, or I'm lifting heavy weights. I'm like, get back to the bar. You have five seconds to get over there. And so, so I do- literally, I, you count down from five to one, five, and once you get to one, you go. When I'm at one, I better have my hands on it or I've done something wrong. Now, does that work when you're like lazy on the couch? You're like, I got to go do dishes. Five, four, three, two, one, it does do work. Dishes. It does work. Okay. It does work. But um, what I've done now, that that works and it's a different tool, but it's almost the same thing. It's the five minute rule. So I will start something that I do not want to do and I will do it for five minutes. And if at that point in time, I don't want to do it anymore, then I don't do it anymore. But at least it gets me motivated because a lot of times what I trip up on with procrastination is it just looks like it's such a large task that I don't ever want to start it because it just is monolithic. But if I start for five minutes, I real I start to realize, oh, <laughs> I could tear this thing apart. And actually, I get a lot further in five minutes than I thought I would have done. And I've already waited for two months. So yeah, that's my answer. I, I do love the five minute rule for anything. Just do five minutes and you can quit anytime you want after five minutes, but you do have to. Yep. I, was, I was talking to one of my best friends on the phone yesterday. He goes, so I tried your five minute rule. He goes, I really, really, really didn't want to go to the gym, but I went to the gym, drove all the way over there. And after five minutes, I said, nope. And I got in my, my, got in my car and drove home. I was like, hey, you did your five minutes. Hey, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Stick to your guns. Um, <laughs> Part of how I do it is, um, and we've we've talked about this in the past too, is leaning on the habits. So if I wait for the motivation, it's never going to happen because I'm just not motivated. So um, to have those habits in place at this time, I always do this thing, whether I want to or not. Um, at this time, I always do this thing, whether mm-hmm. I want to or not. And you know, something as small as is um, like Camden shared in uh, many episodes ago, like he started with. Um, brushing his teeth like he's like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna brush my teeth more per day than i was doing before maybe i was doing it once per day now i'm gonna yep. do it twice per day whatever it is that he was doing and i think um at some point we have to have a level of mental resolve that says it doesn't matter how i'm feeling i need to do this thing and like where do we find that mental resolve and that's kind of the the motivation piece right mm-hmm. so for me it's having the habits in play so when the motivation wanes those things still happen yeah. And, what will happen um, if, yeah, that's interesting. But so like this past week has been a really good example of that is I work out on these days at these times mm-hmm. and and I, I'm trying to listen to my body and trying to be better about not putting myself in the hole. And there, I had a lot of stuff going on with my body that I was just, I'd never experienced before and I was very unfamiliar with. And I thought taking time off of working out would be a good choice. So then it's like, well, what do I fill that time with? Ah, that, that was norm- my That I normally, yeah. and it's not good. Is, is where it goes. Like I ended up, uh, I don't even have a Netflix account, but I texted my brother and said, Hey, can I have your login information? <laughs> nice. And I got in and watched some s- stuff that didn't benefit me in any way. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't go well. So holding to those habits is so important when I feel unmotivated. And once those break, then it's kind of a different answer and yeah. it goes back to the smallest viable piece. Yep. It's like, yep. what's, yep. what's the small thing I can do to get started? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how you, I'll be interested to see how that evolves as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and obviously being a family man, like with a seven-year-old, like things don't always happen at the right time yeah. <laughs> or on the schedule. time. Said. Yep. You know, so uh, what's the old saying? We plan, God laughs. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, Loudly. Right. <laughs> one, one, one little quick one to finish, not as deep as the other ones, but uh, okay. I, I actually am more curious to know your answer for this than anything. If you had to make a workout with no equipment hmm. on the spot, what would you do? I'd I think probably this is a do. student who is probably looking to do stuff at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, depending on your level of proficiency, my answer would movement proficiency. My answer would would waver. Um, <clears throat> I once at a hotel did a workout that I didn't think was going to be bad at all, and it was um, handstand pushups and burpees. And you start at 10 and you switch them. So 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5 while you're going down on the other ones. And then you, and then at 10, you go back up and it was ridiculously difficult, but, um, yeah. So I think I'm hearing you say 10 handstand pushups, one burpee, yep. nine handstand pushups, two. two burpees. Yep. So it always equals 11, but it's just one, one movement is ascending and one is descending. Absolutely. Yep. And yeah. then it go and yeah. then it, and then it descends and ascends itself the entire On the other side. side. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Um, well, but anything body yeah. weight, I mean, obviously yeah. I love air squats and anything that can keep. Yeah. Yeah. So my response is depending on the time domain of your fitness capacity, mm-hmm. uh, you do one push up, one sit up, one squat, and then it's called a plus one workout. So then you do two of each mm-hmm. and then three of each and then four of each. And maybe you pick four minutes, maybe you pick six minutes, maybe you pick an hour, but just slowly adding one each time and, um, slow is steady and steady is fast. So trying to go at a pace where you don't have to take a lot of big breaks. For oh, there's no to... time domain to to meet. Not like death by burpees, for example. Nope. You just okay. nope. You just said I'm going to do a six minute workout, and I'm, I'm going to go through that yep. as many times as I can until I hit the six minute cap, mm-hmm. and that's it. For many people, um, push ups is is the barrier yeah. there. They'll mm-hmm. they'll hit a wall in their push ups before anything else, and you just find a way to scale them so that you never hit a wall and stop. So you, you drop down your knees yep. or. You even stand up and do push-ups against a wall. Um, but as long as you're continuing to move through it, um, that's yeah. a really cool way because then you can just choose your, your time domain, the, the length of the time you're going to do the workout, and you don't need any anything yeah. but like nine square feet of space. Yeah. Yeah. Also a good standard is um, the good old seven minutes of burpees. Seven minutes of burpees. Yeah. <laughs> that will square anything away. Absolutely. I don't I know also, about dizziness, I, but it'll definitely square a lot of things away. Also like 111 burpees for time. That's been a it's personal same, one. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, depending on your Same state. idea. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Todd, thank you so much for uh, sharing your Ask Me Anything responses. Uh, when I read these, I'm always curious to know what yours are going to be. And this has been a, a fun little uh, thing for me and I'm looking forward to doing it a couple oh, yeah, times a year. Thanks for bringing so. me along. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. I like it. For all the listeners out there, we thank you so very much for your ears. We appreciate your time. We are incredibly grateful for your attention. We are the Schooling Struggle Podcast and we are out. See ya. See ya.